Through numerous lineup changes, a horrible van accident, and multiple label changes, 36 years later, Lillian X is still going strong with original members, guitarist and songwriter Steve Blaze, and bassist Mike Max. Lillian X is going to be here in Atlanta as part of the Rocklanta Festival on March 29th and March 30th, and I'm proud to have my brother Steve Blaze on Talking the Talk. So, Steve, welcome aboard. Hey, brother. How you been, man? Good, man. It's good to talk to you again. So this is our second interview, I think. So I feel like I should have brought, absolutely. I should have brought flowers or chocolates, or <laughs> you know. So. That's all right, man. That's okay. How I'll, are you? I'll, I'll I'll bring them when I see you. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, there you go, dude. Everything's going great over here, but I am super excited to just talk about one of my favorite things, man. Lillian Axe. I mean. Well, thank you. Dude, 36 years. That's that's a long fucking time, man. That's, yeah, that's you're longer not kidding, than most man. marriages. I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't even know how to comprehend that sometimes because I still feel uh, not – I would say mentally. I still feel mentally like I am seven or eight years old. Just with a lot more wisdom and a lot more life experience. But, you know, I look at like when I was a kid and I kind of see through the same eyes like, um, like, you know, it it really hasn't changed much. It's just, I guess when I was seven or eight, I thought I knew everything. So like I do now. So, you know. It's not that much different. I know it's it, but, it's, it's so funny because that it, it, it it's like you know it's like I always tell I always tell my my wife that my brain is still seventeen years old, but my body feels like it's sixty. You know, so. yeah. That, <laughs> I think we should all get you should be able to get a one mulligan right at one time in your life. You get a, just a total reset, get all new bones and. And, uh, you know, all the aches and pains go away one time. That would be nice. I'd be getting close to that. You know, it'd be so nice, but instead we're shopping for adjustable beds. So, hey, you know, I mean, you know. but um, And comfortable shoes, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Insoles, adjustable beds, <laughs> like like bigger cars that you can sit more upright. You know? There you go. Just... I know. I have like 80 pairs of shoes, and I like like two of them, you know. <laughs> But the other ones look really cool, so I wear them. <laughs> look, man, I, I tried to wear a pair of cowboy boots on stage with my band one night. And after right. I got off stage, I ripped those things off my feet. And I said, I am never wearing those again, man. Like, that's exactly. Incredible. Yeah, I know the feeling, man. You you just kind of got to go with what looks good sometimes. But and now it's getting to the point where, you know what? Ah, this white V-neck T-shirt looks cool, right? It's, <laughs> it's comfortable. It's comfortable. You know? I mean, it's so <laughs> funny because it was like, it was like, you know, like now, you know, it's like I have to look back, looking back on it. It's like I wore boots like all through high school, you know, and I was like, my, I was yep. like, how the hell did I do that i was like i was like maybe that's why i'm so jacked up now (laughs) (laughs) well back in high school you worried about how it looked way more than how it felt oh absolutely and let me tell you dude my snakeskin boots with the chains hey you know that was just you know you couldn't get any cool well oh no it didn't make me cool but it at least looked cool (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) there you go there you go well you know one of the things i always wanted to ask you about Lillian Axe in general was uh, you guys started around 83 or so with the original lineup which was uh, you of course and uh, the late great Johnny Vines uh, Mike Max and um, Danny King on drums that's the lineup I remember from uh, right that you know um like so how do four guys now were you guys were you guys in Metairie or were you guys actually in New Orleans well, basically, it was Metairie. Yeah, um, that's what, what happened thought, is you know, I, I was so. in high school, right? And I wrestled in high school. <clears throat> and uh, I wrestled varsity as a freshman and a sophomore and a junior. Mm-hmm. We won state my sophomore and junior year. And uh, I had the best record on the team, and I was slated to be the captain senior year. And because I didn't go to the coaches – uh, camp during, during the summertime, instead of making me captain, he made me co-captain. So for my senior year of wrestling where I should have, uh, yeah, I, I would have had a great season, um, I quit because my, you know, I was upset because I'd been slighted and I deserved 
the award. I was the only three-year letterman. I would have been a four-year letterman. And uh, I felt like I got screwed over. So I quit and dove into music and started the guitar club at school and started playing gigs and getting in bands. And that's when I kind of started uh, cutting my teeth. So I heard about these guys um, that were together. They had uh, was a guitar player, drummer, bass player, and singer. And uh, they were looking for another guitar player. And I mean, I was like, I don't know, shoot, I guess I was probably 17, 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I went over there, and uh, Michael Max was a bass player. <laughs> and uh, they were playing Thin Lizzy and ACDC and of Sabbath. Of course they were, man. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Wow, I didn't know there were any other human beings on the planet that liked this stuff. So I got into that band, and we started actually doing a couple of gigs. And then I was actually kind of just getting into rock guitar, because I had been playing classical and flamenco since I was six. Right. So I was playing, I was kind of like the rhythm guitar player at, at the time. And um, then the guy that was playing lead left the band. He he kind of didn't want to play live. He, he realized that once he started playing live, he had some, I think he had maybe some stage fright issues at the time. And uh, so he got out and it got thrust into my lap. And I was like, they're like, we don't need another guitar player. You do it. And so then I was like, then I really started coming into my own. Next thing you know, we were, we were called Oz, O-Z. And uh, so Oz is playing around and starting to make a name because we're playing stuff nobody else is playing. And then... After uh, a couple of years of playing and everything, we wound up uh, changing the name of the band to Lillian Axe, and that's when the um, things started to progress. And you know, you know, yeah, it, you know, being in a band, especially in the early years, it's like, you know, it's like chess pieces moving back and forth, and uh, you know, you lose some, <laughs> you capture some, <laughs> yeah. and then finally you sit there, and then it, it got to uh, Halloween of '83. Me, Michael, Johnny, and Danny. And then right from then on, it just clicked, and we started just packing places everywhere. And, um, you know, spent the next uh, three to four years traveling around, building a name, and and up until we got uh, uh, put on some shows with Rat and Queensryche and Poison in 86. And Marshall Burl, who was managing Rat at the time, called me at my house and uh, asked me after we had done five shows with him. After the first two, he called me and asked me, hey, Steve, this is Marshall Burrow. Everybody knew who Marshall was for managing Rat. Right. So, hey, man, you want, you want a record deal? And I had to think for about .5 seconds and <laughs> answered him, yes, sir, I would like a record deal, if you don't mind. <laughs> and so, and the rest is is history. So, um so there was always but that's little, how we got started, man. So there's always like some speculation behind the name Lillian Axe. And I remember reading somewhere that um correct me if I'm wrong, that it came from Creep Show. Am I Yeah, I had seen the movie Creep Show, the Stephen King movie. Yeah. And I was driving I was driving from the movie to the um the singer for Oz's house or his apartment. Uh-huh. Right from the movie, I can remember the corner of the corner of Veterans and Homer Boulevard in Metairie, <laughs> and I was turning, and the name came into my head. Lillian sounded like uh, I, I, I've seen old old lady. There was a scene in the Creep Show movie of a bridesmaid skeleton that was floating in some kid's window. Right. Yeah. And uh, and uh, at the very beginning of the movie, <clears throat> excuse me, and I looked, I was like, man, I just want a <clears throat> creepy old lady name, you know, and. Because I've, I've always been fascinated with horror and uh, the unknown and whatnot. So Lillian sounded like a nothing personal, all you Lillians out there. But, you know, like... It does sound kind of like, like a creepy name. Yeah, they're crazy Lillian <laughs> old lady name. So it just popped into my head, and then the word axe just kind of fell into place. It wasn't like I didn't sit around and meditate for three weeks until, you know... <laughs> You know, I use a Ouija board to, to figure out <laughs> the name of the band. <laughs> it just popped into my head. And it, uh, I, I was two blocks away from uh, Rick, the singer's house. I pulled in and I was like, hey, Rick, I got the name of the band, Lillian Axe. And then everybody loved it from there on then. So, well, it was. The rest so, is, is, I mean, yeah, obviously, the rest is history because, you know, what's so funny is that, you know, because, like I said in the intro, is that, um, you know, Lillian Axe in general, um, Oh, hold on one. 
sorry about that. I had to crank my mic up a little bit. Um, was that uh, Lillian Axe in general was very synonymous with just New Orleans music. I mean, I was a kid growing up in Metairie and it was like Lillian Axe. Like you just knew about them. You know, you, even if you didn't know who they were, you, you either knew someone who had a shirt or someone who had, there was, <laughs> dude, right. there were, there was a 120 minute cassette tape. I don't know if you, if you know about this or, or maybe it was a, I think it was, I think it was a, I think it was a hundred. No, no, it was a 90 minute cassette tape. Cause it was 45 on both sides that circulated. I mean, it I must have ended up with like probably like an eighth generation copy that had nice. all these old demos. You know what I mean? Like I had like you know, you know, you know, circus comes to town. It had axe attack. <laughs> you know, and oh all, yeah, and all these tunes. And I just remember thinking like, dude, these guys are like, like kind of like, like huge and in, in my mind. And then it wasn't. A month later, in '87, that I saw you open for Rat at the uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Coliseum, you know, and yeah. I and I just remember thinking like, those are guys from my hometown up there. That's you yeah, know. yeah, and it 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 made it made it attainable for a kid from Metairie to feel like, oh man, well, dude, they did it, and they didn't even go to like Hollywood or anything. I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I think I can try this, you know. So Lillian Axe really was a spearhead for me as a, as a young musician to feel like, you know, that I could do anything I, I put my mind to, you know. And that that means a lot to me too because you know. <laughs> There were so many other bands, you know, that that came up. It, it, when we started off, there was really nobody doing, you know, hard rock and metal stuff, playing Judas Priest and Van Halen and, and Aerosmith and stuff like that. Right. You know, the closest thing that we had was Zebra. But Zebra was kind of considered to be more of a, like the Led Zeppelin, you know, the, the one step older generation. Um, yeah. But they were, I mean, they were the the guys that that just were you know they were like the, the big thing and um they were playing and we used to go see them when we were underage and couldn't even get into places go to <laughs> school dances and whatnot see them play and that was kind of our inspiration to, you know just to play rock and roll because we all loved zeppelin and and you know and all and bowie and stuff like that and that's right. what they were playing so when we came in <clears throat> we started playing the judas priest and the motley crew and the you know and some of those bands were just getting started too mm-hmm. but uh you know the stuff that at the sabbath and nobody was doing that kind of stuff plus we took the eccentric look one step i mean we were tying crap around our legs and heads and arms and bodies before you know too many people even knew about what that was about i mean we would go you know hey mom do we have any old shirts that you know you're throwing away <laughs> you know anything short of a a baby's diaper we were finding a way to make some kind of clothing outfit out of it hey mom are you using those pantyhose anymore <laughs> not anymore dude you know i don't think they make well i guess they do make them big enough but um we would we would just put layers. It didn't matter, man. And it it we just wanted to look crazy. We just wanted to look unusual and look good and you know, do something that was uh, as eccentric as what we were uh, what we were playing on stage. So, but that started setting the trends, and we started drawing people. And then you had other bands coming up like Razor White, Dark August, Victorian Blitz, Hagen, uh, and these bands started coming up, and they were. They were opening for us everywhere, you know, every show we were. It's like this group of bands all trying to to do the same thing. And we were the forerunners, and, and people were looking up to us, and we were helping them out. And it was such a, a really cool community at the time. But we never got any support, to be honest with you, from, like, the local magazines or the rags or anything like that. It was all, you know, we didn't do blues. We didn't do Zydeco. We weren't the, the touristy flavor of the month kind of music. So we kind of, you know, we, you know how we did it? We, we, we grew a fan base. And we oh, hung yeah. out with our fans. And we, we played what they wanted to hear, and we were accessible. And we still are. And, I mean, you don't, you know, you don't catch me showing up at a show five minutes before showtime and sneaking out the back door. Mm-hmm. 
I'm there all day long. <laughs> I'm hanging out and meeting everybody that works there, right. from the bartenders to the security to the the production people, and and meeting as many fans as I can. That's that's how we've always maintained ourselves. Uh, we've always been able to, you know, have a relationship with our fans and our friends because you know they're our fans, yeah. But we we look at them as like they're our friends, you know. That's, and, also, uh, a very, that's also a very New Orleans thing, you know. Like I feel like for some reason there's something special about the blood of people in New Orleans that like is like you're just kind of raised to treat people like family. Do you know what you're I mean? Supposed to be, yeah, yeah. I, you know, and and that's what we got with our friends and the people that were coming to see us. And it was just, it was growing, it got bigger and bigger. And then, um, uh, you know, we've never up to this day ever forgotten about how much that means. But I remember- That's why we're still out here doing it. I remember going to, um, being so bummed when you guys would play shows that I couldn't get into, but you guys would frequently do these CYO shows. And for the listeners who don't know what a CYO is, is like, you know, we used to joke around that pretty much like for every public school, there were like five Catholic schools, you know, in New Orleans. And so, um, or in Metairie in general, and you guys used to play at St. Christopher's pretty, pretty regularly. And I probably saw like, Three shows or so with that with that lineup when you guys and I and I remember two of those li- two of those shows were the same bill. It was Lillian Axe, Dark August, and Victorian Blitz. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was so. hilarious. You know? Well, it was it stood for a Catholic youth organization. So the churches yeah. and schools would put these these dances, supposed dances, on. I'll tell you a funny story. We played one. I think it was St. Edward's CYO one time. And we were in full regalia. And I remember the priest, the head of the CYL, got very aggravated because we came out and we were wearing, like, you know, crazy stuff as it was. We had fire shooting up. And uh, I guess, our you know, Johnny at the time was wearing really tight pants and, and probably, and I think, no underwear. And uh, I don't know if if any of the moms said something to him or if it was just... Yeah, he just thought it was inappropriate. I mean, it wasn't like he was doing it on purpose. It's just, you know, it's you know, you can't roll, wear man. underwear with with, with with spandex pants, and that doesn't work. <laughs> and I just remember him like being very upset about that. So I don't think we went back after that because <laughs> <clears throat> we weren't about to like you know start wearing you know plaid pants to to do our shows. So, I thought you were going to say we weren't about to start wearing underwear, <laughs> which is probably uh, the well, same yeah, thing, I mean, <laughs> Some things you got to give up on stage for comfort. Yeah, you can't exactly. jump around and run around with boxers on, you know? So. <laughs> well, so it's so funny because when I, I was, I, before we d- decided to do this, I, I was trying to kind of, you, know, you know, trace the lineage of the band a little bit. And, you know, and it, it's very, very deep purple-esque in the fact in the sense that Lillian Axe has different marks you know like you have like mark one which is like we said like yeah. the, the the one you know the classic lineup you know you Johnny um, uh, Michael and uh, Danny and then right but it, it was the mark two lineup that most of the people are, you know, outside of the New Orleans area. Like most of the people that became Lillian Axe fans who were in other parts of the country were more familiar with. And that was the lineup right. that featured um, members of the band Stiff. So you had. Right. That was myself. That was Danny King, mm-hmm. myself from the very original lineup. Yeah. And then um, what happened? I mean, we had some things going on within the original lineup. Uh, MCA came to me and they wanted to just sign me only. And um, it was a really tough decision, but there were some things internally in the band that if we had not had that situation, we probably wind up having some issues and probably splitting up soon after that. So Mm -hmm. it was a a tough decision to make. I'm just thankful to God that, you know, Michael, Max, you know, here we are now and Michael's back in the band with me, but, um, we went on to do the Circle of Light album with the original four, me, Michael, Johnny, and Danny. Right, right. Uh, a few years ago, so that was kind of like a coming full circle. But when they signed me, I kind of re- they wanted me to rearrange the band. 
reorganizing. I did. I got Ron Taylor, John Sturt, and Rob Stratton from Band Stiff. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we had run across each other many times, so I had asked them if they wanted to to come in. I had this deal with MCA. You want to join the band? And they said immediately yes. At first, John Sturr wasn't even going to be a second guitar player. He was coming in just to kind of hang out, play some keyboards uh, off right. the stage a little bit. It was still going to be a one guitar band. And then I started realizing, you know, maybe if I uh, change the dynamic a little bit, because, you know, our songs do lend themselves to big thick walls of guitar absolutely maybe it would en- en- enhance the sound and then so um you know i knew john was a good guitar player but i I'd, I'd always been the one guitar guy so mm-hmm. you know for years i just wasn't used to that dynamic so when we introduced it i said wow this sounds really good and it actually gives me a little bit more leeway to go off and have some more fun and and enhance the writing, you know, and be able to adventure out some more and do some different things. Um, so that worked out real well. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. You know, you think about it, <laughs> I mean, name, name a band that hasn't, uh, that has kept the same three members their whole entire career. And you can do it pretty much on one hand and the bands with three guys in the band, it's a lot easier for them than the guys with five guys in the band. Right. Dude, even rush can't uh, I mean, say that. Math. You know what I mean? <laughs> like... I know, exactly. But you know, there's a part of me that's like, you know, I really wish, and, and I love all the guys that have always been in a band, but, and so I can't say I wish the band had stayed with these five guys. I just mm-hmm. wish in essence, the idea that I could have had the same members stay all the way through, but that's not life, you know, that doesn't happen. So, it, you know, you've got to move forward. You got to make change. I mean, how many people, I mean, look at anybody's life, even in your own personal life, how many players have come and gone, people getting divorced, people losing friendships, people, you know, it's just everybody's life takes different turns. So, you know, it's it's easy for somebody to go, oh, well, I I like this version better. I like that version better. I'm like, well, would you have preferred that I quit everything then? Or did you want me to keep on going on and keep writing music and keep the band going? Correct. So, you yeah. know, sometimes when I hear some of that kind of stuff, that's my answer. Okay, so you like this particular version more. I guess I should have just ended the band at that time to make you happy, you know? I said, no. The band's about the songs and the music. I've written all the songs, 95, 96% of them, I should say. Um, so I'm continuing to do that. So no matter who is in the band now, these are the songs you'd be getting. So if you're a true fan of the band, you know, you got to give the new versions. I always urge that. Give the new singer a chance. And it's always been about the singer. You know how that goes. Oh, um, yeah, because it's... I've it's been blessed to be with have to. four phenomenal singers in this band. But you know how things are with people. They get, it's not even so much about the music as it becomes just like something attached to their soul and their being. Like, you know, no, I like this version better because when this version was together at this time in my life, that's what I wish I could go back to. You know what I'm saying? So. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, because like I said, when I think of, you know, when I think of Lillian Axe, like I said, I think of you and Johnny and Mike and Danny. But then again, at the same time, when that MCA debut came out, like, and of course, I don't mean this in any disrespect to the past members, but like when I heard that version of nobody knows or like you know vision in the night i just remember going holy crap this is fantastic so but like it didn't make me discount the previous lineup but just like as sad as i was when you know ron left the band because you know and and again and and you kind of said it first and again and no disrespect to the other members but like you know like when rob stratton left you know i was like i was like you know bass player is a bass player you know or like you know you know when um you know when danny left i was like oh that's a i hated to see danny go because i remembered him from but i was like you know what They, they got a great drummer behind him but you know when ron left i was like oh that's like a piece that i wish didn't have to change but what that's i the always part man you're right you know but what i always had to commend you on was the consistency of finding singers that didn't sound like ron but that were able to pull those songs off in a way that 
could still tug at your heartstrings, still make the hairs on your arm stand up, still give you goosebumps in the same way that Ron's versions did, you know? But right. man, and that's another reason why I really, I am such a, a stickler for continuing to put new new albums out. There are a lot of bands out there that are still out there touring and playing, and they're not. They don't really care about putting out new music. They're just going strictly on the you know, laurels of the past for whatever reason. And I'm like, no, this is an ongoing thing. And this also, um, this is a testament to the, to, to Brian Jones. You know, you listen to what Brian did on days before tomorrow and on, on one night at temple, man, he's, he's, he's great. Fan friggin' fantastic. If you don't, if you don't have songs that they sang originally, you know, obviously, you know you you're listening to records with other singers. That's gonna that's gonna be attached to you because well, I don't have anything new with Brian Joe, so I'm attached. These are the songs I love, and somebody else is singing them. So that's why it's like, no, we keep putting new records out for new songs for you to uh, get attached to, and you can love them all the same. You can, you know, but you, you can be a fan of new albums, or you can be a fan of the first record. It's all the same. I wrote them all. I'm still. It's, it's still the same mindset. It's still the same uh, soul and spirit of the band is always going to be there. It, and, and it's so funny because it's so true because like my, like my favorite Axe album, you know, and just as a, was a personal favorite of mine was uh, psycho schizophrenia. And right. to me, that was just like, I don't know. Something was happening within the band right there. Like, like you were, tapping into something heavy but not just musically heavy but like that almost felt like the most lyrically heavy album you had done up to that point like so what was it that was kind of bubbling up in you in the writing of that album because i mean you're looking at songs like crucified stop the hate you know god those who pray voices in my wall i mean i could go on you know sign of the times deep freeze i mean these are like you know when you compare them to the previous album songs you know with again not in any disrespect but like to like true believer body double you know you know yeah, it was no a definite, it was a little bit of a it was, it was just another turn on the path. But you know, you're right about one thing. But there was nothing going on within the band. It was something going on inside of my head. Because well, that's kind of what I meant. I didn't mean internally after, in the band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but in other I, words, I meant we collectively, like artistically. Right. Yeah. In other words, it wasn't anything like you know nothing had changed dramatic dramatically. We had just come off of like. Our most successful record was Poetic Justice, which I think they really pushed me too hard to start working on Psycho and putting that out too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, because we still had a lot of leg left on Poetic Justice. And they're like, let's get back in the studio. Let's go do another record. So what happened is the um, the record label bought me like a, a, a portable studio. And I started demoing in the house. And that was the first time that I'd ever been, I ever had my own studio to record. You know, I wrote songs and we'd go into other studios and demo them stuff, but this was something that I was out, I'd, I'd be in the studio 10 at night to six in the morning writing and something inside of me clicked. I don't know, it wasn't, I didn't have any major event in my life. Uh, nothing bad, nothing phenomenally great, nothing, it was, everything was good, but something really like, opened up and I attribute that um, I guess to the fact that I was able to have uh, more confidence in what I was doing and I guess less real restraints they weren't telling me you got to write another true believer song you know they weren't doing that I just I, I came into something inside of my head that made me feel like there's no limits here Right. Uh, I want to make this epic. I want to make these songs big and powerful, and I can go and I can talk about any topics I want right now. I don't have to really uh, adhere to anything because prior to that, even though I was never really pushed to move in any direction, there was always that like un- that underlying rule that everybody uh, was trying to follow to have a. You got to have a, a hook. And you got to be under three and a half minutes. 
and you got to have this, and you got to modulate the key at the end of the song, and the last chords, you got to do this. And I was like, eh, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just going to write songs that, <laughs> that stick with people. And so I started writing those, and I was like, man, everything I wrote, you know, like sometimes I write songs, and I'm like, okay, that's good. I don't, you know, let me let it grow on myself and see if I want to keep moving. But it's like everything I was writing was just hitting, and everything was like, oh, my God, I'm just, I felt so creatively wide open and um i've kind of the, the last time even since then that i really felt like that was when i was doing uh days before tomorrow so and i feel like that now with what we're doing on the new record see so, and that's what um, i was actually going to tell you was because i felt like yeah especially on poetic justice i felt like there there were moments where like with where where like I could I could I could hear Ron just kind of like on the on that where he was kind of pushing it. Do you know what I mean? Like like where you could tell he was just kind of like almost kind of pent up. So songs like Innocence and like Mercy, right? right? But then all of a sudden, here comes you know <laughs> here comes Psycho Schizophrenia. You know like um, I mean Crucified. I mean just his vocal delivery alone on that album like was was just so you know stratospheric you know so almost like he just kind of opened up and when i saw you guys on that tour like that lineup was like again another mark of lillian axe but to echo what you said it was this band this classic band this classic songs that i love but here's this new band with new music that i was like Man, I loved Sign of the Times, and I loved Crucified, and I loved Voices in My Walls as much as I fucking loved Nobody Knows and Misery Loves Company. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, it was exciting to see the band just come out like that. But then, all of a sudden, you know, Ron goes away, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, that was uh, that was an unusual kind of situation, because, uh, you know, we had, <clears throat> we had done real well for the label but then the label we were like the only thing doing seemed like that was was doing anything on the label and then irs started to uh, kind of fall apart after that and that's when uh you know i started writing the next record mm-hmm. and which wound up being a lot of songs that were on waters rising and i i don't know i guess we were kind of we we hadn't stopped in like eight years right to just sit back, chill out, and just everybody, you know, relax. We kind of took a break for a couple of years, and we're all doing different projects. Yeah, because you guys and, were doing, um, like, album tour, album tour, album tour, and then... Yeah, it like, wasn't stopping, and, yeah. you know, kind of wish... I kind of wish we would have just taken a couple of months, maybe, and just got back into it, because I didn't like sitting around for a few years um, waiting. But, I mean, I see some of the, like, the, the footage for the Psycho Schizophrenia tour, especially a lot of European footage. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we were like a force to be reckoned with, man. That was a wall of power. I have, I, a, I, I have a broken stuff. guitar pick of yours to prove it. I'm going to bring it with me when I see you, by the way, because <laughs> you played a thin red pick and the Liliax logo, your name on it. And you guys opened the show that night. I still remember to this day, you guys opened with uh, sign of the times and you were playing that opening riff and it broke and you just looked down at me and you just talked it to me picked it up, and i was like i was like son of a bitch is broke <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh that's funny man so i mean i i remember the intensity of that show because i brought a friend of mine that was like man i don't like lillian x they have too many ballads and i was like man you're not listening to the right shit come with me and i took him to that show and he walked out of that show after the, and he was like jesus christ that was so awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's kind of funny how you like, get, guys are so heavy, you know, and I was like, it's so yeah. much heavier, you know, to hear, you know, misery loves company live than to hear it on, you know, on a polished record, yep. you know, but I, I, you know, that same kind of intensity, I think that we have now just as much as we did back then. I totally and, uh, agree because that, that, that kind of segues into the whole, uh, uh, Brian, uh, Brian C. Jones thing is that, He's been in the band for now, what, like seven, six years, seven years? Yeah, that's seven like, years, yeah, I think seven, yeah. It, 
you do the math, man, he's he's nearing being in the band longer than any the other singers were, you know. And it's yeah, like, no, you're right. And it's so it's like he's gonna be the 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 old new guy for a while, you know. Right, exactly. Like, but. I think what I loved so much about hearing, you, you know, I, I loved Waters Rising. And, and again, this is just like, yeah, I'm kind of outspoken. So, you know, you got to forgive me. But, you know, this comes from a good place. Is that uh, I thought Darren was a great singer, but I thought he was a little too close to sounding like Ron to me. You know what I mean? Like where it was like almost there, but the, you know what I mean? But yeah. yeah, he had his own voice, but it just was too reminiscent of Ron. But Brian totally brought something else to the table. And evidently it, it, whatever he it was that he brought has kept him around for as long as he's been in the band, because the days before tomorrow, he kind of hit me the same way that psycho schizophrenia hit me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I was yeah, like, and I kind of felt it had that kind of a little bit of that kind of vibe to it too. But yeah, I mean, the thing about Derek was Derek saying he sounded a lot like Ron, mm-hmm. and there was a part of me that I liked that because I knew it was going to be a tough segue. And it's familiar you know, bringing too. Somebody new. If it's if it's too if it's too different, it's going to really freak people out. But if it's close enough, and there are times where some people didn't even know the difference. And um, so he, he was able to, to to come in and do his own thing as well. And, and you know, he did the three records. So he was able to, um, you know, come into his own. But Brian doesn't have the same kind of texture to his voice as those guys. He's got a totally different, unique voice, which has its pros and its cons. Because, like I tell him, sing these songs just like the record. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. When you sing these songs, just like the record, people are going to take to it. They're going to understand because he, the guy's got a phenomenal voice. That's He's it. got a great voice, and and matter of fact, like you know, even listening to uh, One Night in the Temple, I I think what the character behind his voice is that it's its own voice, but it's so well suited to the material. And, yeah, yeah. And to also kind of segue going uh, to kind of go a little back a little bit to the circle of life thing was that when I first heard that album and you guys brought Johnny Vines out on stage to do um, yeah. uh, Nobody Knows, I was in tears because it it was so it was such a rush of of that. 13 year old Don living in Metairie, you know what I mean? And yeah, exactly. Lillian Axon remembering like standing at the very back. Cause I couldn't get to the front and just being like ah, this song, just, I don't, you know, you know, when you're at that age, you don't really quite understand emotions, you know, but like when a right. song makes you tingle, you know, you're just like, yep. why am I feeling this way? You know? And so when I heard that, I had that feeling and it just overwhelmed me, you know? And well, when we did that record, that album was, it was all about like, let's have a celebration of the band. We invited Darren and Ron to be a part of it and they declined. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I have no idea why. Didn't bug them. Didn't didn't move. Worry about it. You know their choice. But um, we wanted to have them involved, and um, you know we we wanted to celebrate the whole band. I'm just I'm so thankful that Johnny was there and that he was a part of it too. Um, and uh, you know that's what that whole thing was about. Oh but, yeah, and uh, then to go into the you know like I said like in in twenty twelve you did the the circle of light, and when it brought all those members back together, like t- describe to me what that was like. The, the it's like the first time all four of you are in a room with instruments after you know over twenty years. It was weird, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> I love that that's the first is, you know, word. Like that, it was weird. <laughs> we, uh, you know, I kind of um, run into Johnny. He was mo- he was living in Houston, and we'd run into each other, and he kind of rekindled the, the friendship. And he had his band going on. I was like, man, you know, we're coming to Houston. Why don't you y'all want to play with us? And um, and he's like, yeah, that'd be great. So next thing you know, we're doing a couple of shows together. <laughs> 
and we got to a point where we were hanging out and like myself and my wife and I don't know if Jude was born yet I don't remember when we first started hanging but uh, we go to Houston <coughs> and go stay at his house and so we would sit around and we would play guitar and, and jam together and he'd sing and we doing some stuff and we started listening to some of the old demos and some of the old songs you know that never made it to any of the the albums you know and um i was like man and i just came up on me and i asked him right then and there at his house i said johnny let's get michael and danny and we'll take these songs that never went to uh any of the the other records and never made it onto the albums let's call it circle of light let's go do a record and he was like yes and that was it it was just like the the idea popped in my head while he and i were just listening to some old demos and when i get something in my head good luck getting it out no i know the feeling you know that's and so right from then and there it was like we didn't uh we didn't stop man we just kept on uh moving forward and figuring it out and uh you know we looked back at the albums and uh, I mean the uh, the old demos, and figured out what which ones would be good, and mm-hmm. came up with those songs. And you know, next thing you know, I'm talking to the record company, and they're like, "Yep, let's do it." So it was so it, amazing it was, to hear those songs, you know, because I remembered so many of those songs from that shitty little Bayziff yeah, cassette that demo that everybody I know. It's kind of funny, <laughs> and it's funny because people are like, "Man, I got. Am I supposed to have that?" I'm like, "Look." If I got mad about every demo that got leaked, I said, uh, there's no way that I could even, you know, I couldn't follow up. I was just going to say, <laughs> man, leak, leak that demo again my way, man, because I lost my copy back in like 88. <laughs> well, you know, um, our, our manager, Charlie Bagarosa, who passed away a few years ago, he sent me, and I've got CDs, he collected everything he had songs i forgot we even had i've got to find that but i've got cds of stuff that nobody's ever even heard before i got to find that and uh maybe i can get you some copies of that but that's it's amazing some of the stuff that i completely forgot about we'll keep that off the record too because i think i just, right. i think I, I think I, just, I think i just did a happy dance in my chair going oh my god dude <laughs> yeah it's it's some stuff that i completely even forgot about but it's out there it's so but. funny because like i just remember you know just you know with the circle of light thing it it, it was so warming to me do you know what i mean like it was like yeah it's kind of like that feeling where like you almost wish that the original members of kiss would have got together only instead of putting out psycho circus they would have made a good record you know what i mean <laughs> right, right? Exactly. you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> it's like i was like damn it these guys did it they got together and they made a great freaking record man with these classic songs that like i never thought in a million years i'd see the light of day you know and johnny yeah, exactly. just sounded fantastic and you know but god what a loss i, I felt so bad because i never got down to new orleans to see a show and um boy that was a loss you know they, yeah that was that was a that was a rough time for did for it, everybody you know did it bring you all closer yeah doing the circle well johnny and i like i said when we first started we had started to um you know like rebuild our friendship and uh, i mean like now you know sandra his widow i mean she comes down stays the house all the time we're in constant contact with her and you know, she and my wife are very good friends, and um, you know, it's uh, I was with him, you know, in, the, in his last days, you know, and then we did a big benefit for him, and um, you know, it was just uh, just something nobody anticipated happening, especially with him. He was especially always when we thought so he energetic was, and full of life, and especially when we thought he was out of the water there for a little bit, you know, and yep. then yeah. like. Oh, I mean, it was it was just so sad, but it was one of those things that like I could really look back on with a sense of pride and think, yeah, you know. Well, I like, think it was strictly it was a it was just you know an inspiration from God to to do that. You know, so many people go, "Thank you so much for for doing that Circle of Light record," and I was like, the, the you know what? I, the idea it hit me 
so quickly and unexpectedly that it was all, I think God put the, the idea in my head right then and there and knew that it had to happen like that. So it did. And it was great. You know, so I remember the, the day we we got together, me and Johnny and Michael and Danny for the first time. And I hadn't seen Michael and Danny very much over the years. <laughs> and uh, we, we got together with the, the head of the record company who was a good friend of ours. And, um, eating at New Orleans hamburger. And I remember just sitting there and, and we talked about all this and, and moving forward. And, and then we went and got in the room and we, uh, and, and went and jammed. Um, we went and, and, and got together and, and, and played and just read. And none of us had, we were like, just, Oh, you remember this song? And we were playing and we were butchering the songs. And cause none of us, we had, we didn't plan on jamming. We just planned on like getting together and messing around a little bit. So then I'm like, wait a minute. These are the songs I think we should do. Let's start playing. I and mean, we'd start doing it. Oh my God, I forgot that part. Oh, I forgot this part. And we were like pulling up the old demos and, <laughs> and trying to learn it. And, and it was a, it was a train wreck, but I remember it was so funny. Um, but it was good. But it's also very humbling too, I guess, you know, to, to, to go from like this to be like, Oh crap, man, we gotta, we gotta relearn our own stuff. We gotta actually practice these songs. (laughs) Exactly. And so then we knew we wanted to start doing some shows. So we, uh, we got together and we, you know, we rehearsed a lot and it went well. And then we went to the studio and, um, and did some uh, great shows too. You guys did a handful of great shows, by the way. Oh yeah, they they really were. They were fun. I remember. I remember one in particular was an outdoor festival, and we played, and uh, it was great. And we we did all the songs on the record, and then we we did a few covers. We did uh, uh, when the levee breaks by Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. and brought a harmonica play up on stage, and uh, it was fun. We did some Deep Purple, some Grand Funk. Uh, just like Alice Cooper, stuff just like, like the that. old days, like the old man. Days. Oh, that's totally. It. That's like the, the old. That's days. what I remembered of you know it's my first time seeing you guys. You know, it was it was it was not just those great originals, but it was hearing those covers, man. You know. Yep, I know it was fun. I love doing covers. <laughs> well, so now that you got now you got Mike Max back in the band, like how has that been? Because like because uh, I was just thinking about it, and I was like. I was like, it's the original Lillian X bass player that's playing a bunch of songs that he didn't play on. Like, has it was it like kind of exciting for him or and for you in general to just have him like like back in the fold with you and Yeah, it's like he never, you know, it really is. It's almost it's like one of those things you just felt like, you know, we just took a little break for 20 something years. <laughs> you know, it was like <laughs> He just fits like a glove, you know, because he he also plays with me in in our side project called Sledgehammer, Sledgehammer which is our, yeah, our cover band, the cover band. And I mean, yeah. I just you know he he and I are like you know just so locked into each other. I mean, I can't imagine playing with anybody else. I mean, he's just he's so good, and he's such a monster on stage, and he's so easy to deal with. I mean, he just loves to play. He doesn't. He's got no ego whatsoever. Yeah. He just likes to play. That's that's what drives him, you know. I just and, remember and him being a mop of blonde hair, just like he still is. On he the still stage. is, dude. <laughs> His hair is longer, and he's got more hair now than he did back then. And um, but he's um, it's like he's very honest, and he's he's business. I mean, he's about, no, let's play. I don't have time for all this other craziness. I don't have time for BS. Let's go do, get this done. And he lives for it. It's, a, it's such a blessing That's in this amazing. business to have somebody that you don't have to worry about drama with, you know. And uh, always prepared. He's, a, he's, he's amazing on the base, you know, so... Well, that's amazing. Um, yeah, it's great it, to have him back. It really is full circle, you know, like in some ways. Like now you've got, you know, you've got Mike back in the band, you know, and like you, you've you've got this this comrade with you that, you know, was there in the very beginning. And so it's like. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, it, 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 it must it must almost. Uh, is there also kind of a sense of security there for you, too, where it makes you feel like a little bit like, OK, yeah, there's 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 a little more piece of home here for me, you know? Well, I mean, it's it, I mean, he's you know, in addition to 
uh, being my bandmate, he's one of my closest friends too. Right. You know, he's a guy that I would, I would always, um, you know, completely trust. You know, he's a guy that, you know, you've got people in your life that, you know, they're your friends and stuff, but they're not always going to have your back. You know, um, this is the kind of guy that if somebody, you know, said something wrong about me or did something to slight me or somebody, a friend of his, he'd be the first one standing up to, you know, it's just like the, he's honest and he's trustworthy and he's the kind of guy you want to have as, as your close friend because uh, he, he understands what friendship is all about. See, and that's and, uh, that's such an important thing to have in the in 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 any band in any relationship, to be honest. But especially yeah. in a band, you know. And I have to say, man, I am beyond ecstatic to see you guys here in Atlanta for this Rock Atlanta Festival because, if memory serves, I don't think you guys have been. Have you have you guys been back to Atlanta since the nineties or the last time we were in Atlanta wasn't even to play; it was to be on. To film for that, remember that show Constantine on NBC? Yes. <laughs> uh, that's the last time we were in Atlanta. We were there for two days filming a TV show. We that's... haven't played Atlanta probably since Sad Day on Planet Earth Tour in like 2009. Okay, yeah. At that point, I was living in North Carolina, so I totally missed that. Because the last time I actually have seen Lillian Axe live was on the Psycho Schizophrenia Tour when you guys played at the Masquerade here in Atlanta. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, sure. I remember that. That was a great place. <laughs> that was a great show. But, like, so tell me real quick, what what can I expect from Lillian Axe in 2019 at this Rock Atlanta Festival? What am I going to hear? And uh, can I make a request? <laughs> you can make a request. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, oh, you're actually being serious. I get to actually make a request. Oh, this is great. Yeah. I mean, I can't promise you we're going to play it. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Go ahead, now, go ahead, give me a shot. Now the truth, song? now the truth comes out, man. I've always wanted. I, I'd love to hear "Vision in the Night." <laughs> That's like one of my. Favorite you know, you're novels. the second person in the last four days that said that. Really? And, yeah. And before I forget, because I actually made a note on my notebook about this, that when you mentioned you being a flamenco player, that totally right. made sense to me. That 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 outro in "Vision of the Night" on the album, where you yeah. do that beautiful like acoustic outro, you know. Uh, so, thank you. All right. Yeah, so that's that's my request. But um, I can probably pretty much safely tell you we're not going to play that. And the only reason is because Damn we you, have Steve not, Blaze. <laughs> dude. We have not played that song probably since the f- 1988. And um, not that we wouldn't add it to the set, but we're not, we're probably going to get an hour to play. Yeah. And if if I don't play Ghost of Winter. True Believer, Show a Little Love, Deep Freeze, Days, uh, Death Comes Tomorrow, Crucified. If I don't play those songs, I will be crucified. So, okay, um, <laughs> Ghosts of it's Winter. It's just too hard in a short set to get everything in there. So, Ghost um, of Winter was actually my beach, my B selection. So at least I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna be very happy. Yeah, Ghost of Winter. We play that if if we can only play one song in a night. It's usually Ghost of Winter. That's become our staple favorite and i have to i have to confess something to you that i plagiarized your song um when i was a senior in high school where i took like four lines of that song and put it together to make a poem because oh really no kidding oh that's cool (laughs) well because we were supposed to write a poem on our own and i was i I had a hard time coming up with them and those were some of my favorite lyrics and so i stole like four four different lines from that song and made a poem around it i wish i had it to share with you but all i remember is i got an a (laughs) oh did you very cool man very good (laughs) i just remember my teacher saying ghost of winter by Don Delamont. I just wanted to be like, oh, God, I hope this doesn't get back to Stevie Blaze. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, anytime you the, can get it. I don't have the money for a lawyer. <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. That's hilarious. Well, man, well, before we close out, I just wanted to ask you, looking back on 36 years of Lillian Axe, is there anything that you would have done differently? Um, if I could make the choices now. Yeah, there's some things I've done differently. If I was back in the same position 
with what I knew and what I thought at that time, I would mm-hmm. make the same. I would make the same choices because at the time, I've always made the ones I thought were the best for me and the people around me. Um, I would. Uh, I, I wish we hadn't taken a break after psycho schizophrenia. I wish uh, for so long. Mm-hmm. I wish we would have, you know, come to some terms and understood but um you know but that that might not have been it It, it's like the butterfly effect you know what if we had done this and everybody's lives would have completely changed maybe for the worse you know you just don't know Uh, that one little move if i go outside right now and i go right instead of left my entire course of life and lives of other people around me could completely change you know you just don't know um there are a lot of things I wish. I wish, you know, the label had been more supportive at MCA. I wish we had not jumped right into Psycho Schizophrenia from Poetic Justice. We should have kept pushing that album. But then again, if that would have been the case, maybe I wouldn't have written an album and we would have not put out an album as good as Psycho Schizophrenia. You just don't know. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, it's like it's 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 know. kinda like it's kinda like the, the those like you said, it's like if you make one small minor change, it could just yeah. change the direction of anything. And to be totally yeah. honest, I'm glad you didn't make different decisions because you've made Lillian Axe has, you know, regardless of lineups has made some of my favorite music that has literally literally been the soundtrack of my life from the time I was in you know eighth grade to being 45 and I can't thank you enough for not even not just being that but being a great friend and being such a great guy and for keeping it going well thank you man I appreciate that that really means a lot to me because I think about when people say that to me like you know how it's it, our music is an integral part of their lives. I think about the music that I grew up listening to and, and the bands that I liked and how it's just, uh, that's just, it's so, it's important to me. You know, when I think about, especially like certain songs, you know, like when I first started listening to music, I was 11 years old, 12 years old, listening to uh, like Bread and Don McLean and Elton John and stuff like that. And I hear those songs now and it takes me right there. So when somebody tells me that our songs or our concerts or, or whatever meant so much to their life, that's like the highest compliment that I could possibly get. And it really, it really does mean a lot. So thank you for that. Well, look, man, when my first girlfriend broke up with me in 1990, Nobody Knows was on repeat for about... <laughs> three months and my dad to the point where my dad came in and he would make fun of me he'd stick his head in and he'd go nobody knows when you're down and out like he because he'd heard it so fucking much you know but anyway you know it's funny when you when you have ballads like the day i met you see you someday nobody knows a needle in your pain yeah i have (laughs) those songs have been the source of comfort for so many people over the years that I've heard mm-hmm. from and on in one breath it's like man that makes me feel really good <laughs> that it's been able to help people get through tough times but then I start thinking about is anybody you know what do they have a song they like if they win a bunch of money or something great <laughs> it's always they, re, they, they revert to you know Lillian Axe ballads when something miserable happens to them <laughs> like come on man I'm gonna be like you know it's like, you know, it's how like, about it's like hey know? I won the lottery dream of a lifetime yeah right. oh yeah it's true believer what do you think about true believer and dream of a lifetime those are upbeat you know but you know but, <laughs> and I'm like but the, the misery loves company steve remember that oh okay yeah okay i got you but that also <laughs> says what i also loved to that because like in closing i want to say that what i love that what that says about lillian axe is it shows like how multifaceted the material was because like you had this except this easily accessible material like like how is it possible that you know, Dream of a Lifetime and Picture Perfect are on the same album as Waiting in the Dark, you know, <laughs> and, you know, Hard Luck. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's so, like, I always thought that there was something for all the moods, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is one yeah. of the things that I think makes not just a great album, but a great band. And that's what Julian yeah. Axe was to me and still is. 
Well, thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. And we'll look forward to seeing you in, in Atlanta in a few weeks. I am so looking forward to seeing you, Steve. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk. And again, man, looking forward to Rock Atlanta here in Atlanta. It's going to be, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched. I wish I still had my old raggedy Lillian Axe shirt that had the big L and the big <laughs> A on it. Do you remember that one? Had the Yeah, but it, that's our new shirts. The new ones are the big circle with L.A. on the front of it. No, I love love it yeah <laughs> so it's like going back old school man i love it yeah it is it's those big la's with the circle around it so that was my first lillian axe shirt man okay now now you sold me i'm gonna have to buy one so there you go. <laughs> all right so hold hold a double xl for me <laughs> you got it we've got plenty of man sounds good all right buddy well thanks so much for taking the time steve and we look forward to seeing you here and safe travels and give my best to your family and the band thank you brother i look forward to seeing you i appreciate you having me on the show no problem man thank you so much take care bro you too bye-bye Sings the fire. 